Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to this very, very special episode of My Independence Report. My name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm your host today. And um, this is going to be a short introduction, because what I'd like to do next is there's a gentleman by the name of Matt Shea, who has become quite a friend of the show, and he is with us quite a little bit. He's an author. He's got over nine books. And I've taken to starting to do some uh, voiceover work for him. And I wanted to get your opinion on this particular short story that I'm about to uh, lay on you. And I hope that you'll enjoy it. This is uh, called The Town Terror. And it is uh, uh, just a short story. He's got a bunch of them. Go to mattshaybooks.com and you can download a bunch of his stories or um, and buy them. And he, he really is quite, the, uh, quite an author. So... I hope that you'll spend a little bit of time uh, checking it out and drop me a line to let me know whether you think I got a, I got a future in uh, uh, voiceover work or whether it was boring as hell. Uh, those are your two options, good or bad. So with that, again, my name is Kevin McDonald. I hope you'll follow us and like this page so that you can come back often and listen to some of the great people that we have on the podcast, and, continue, and we will continue to do so. So I hope that you will hang out with us and listen to, this is called The Town Terror, and this is from Matt Shea, the author, and yours truly is narrating. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon. From the Groundskeeper and other short stories, Matt Shea, author, narrated by Kevin McDonald. The Town Terror. The sunset over snow-capped mountains, creating a pastel light show. The North Star had already peered through the fall sky as others came into focus. Street lamps that displayed an old-world charm from the last century began to light up in sequence. Friday night finally arrived in the lone town of Valiant. The population of 512 would now enjoy a waiting weekend. Many would go to Main Street for dinner or to see a movie. This was the opportunity that Sean Baker waited for. He was the town's self-proclaimed bad boy and always felt the need to prove himself. Sean was the product of divorce. He was raised by his grandparents and felt abandoned. His feeling of rejection was further enhanced by being one of the shortest males in the county. This awareness scarred him with a Napoleon complex. Sean was bottled up with anger over his insecurities. He would infiltrate society by picking fights in an attempt to be noticed and respected. He was a pariah. His bedroom showed the turning point of his life. His grandparents accepted custody of their grandson at age six. They knew that he needed direction and enrolled him in the Cub Scouts. Sean loved being involved in the fellowship and applied himself. He was proud to wear his uniform when he marched in local parades. The young boy also learned survival skills. 
that could be utilized when camping with his parents, a dream that never happened. As he grew, he saw less and less of his mother and father. The bedroom was his sanctuary. It displayed numerous merit badges that he had earned. It also had a window that showed the countryside. The darkness of the clear night was special to him. He would create imaginary friends by connecting stars together. They all had names, with some waving at him, unlike his parents. Twinkle, Fairy, Spaceman, and the others were always there, even if it was raining. The main event would be when the midnight train would rumble through the valley. It didn't come every night, and often weeks apart. His grandfather once pointed it out when they had a camp on their property. Do you see that? cried out his grandfather. That's what we call the train of salvation. Got his name many years ago when your great-grandfather was a child. It would purposely slow down at every town it passed through when it had empty flat cars. This meant there was work down the line and any available help could hop on and get hired. Your great-grandfather Donald arrived in this town riding that train. Laws have since been passed that frown on this tradition. They will still pick up workers that need to get their lives started, but only late at night. The young Sean grinned at the powerful locomotive. Its headlight cast light on the tracks it traveled on. The train did slow down, passing through the edge of town, as a figure could be seen climbing aboard a vacant flat car. In minutes, the train gained speed and blew its whistle as it penetrated the night, traveling out of sight. It was like a young boy listening to an old sea captain. Sean yearned for the adventure. Sean's childhood seemed short-lived. He was now 20 and rebellious. His room also had additions with court orders and fines displayed as trophies. The unemployed grandson chose the isolation of his bedroom when his grandparents were home. He was no longer their sweet grandchild and talked back to them. He was a punk, refusing to grow up. Brandy's Bar and Grill was a local hotspot. It was always full on a Friday night with friends, music, and laughter. The benches surrounding the main entrance were usually occupied with more customers. The who's who would be there. Sean would select this night spot for his battleground. It was dinner time, and Sean was getting ready for town. He groomed his mustache, but he wasn't Burt Reynolds. He brushed his 1970s rock and roll hair style, but was nobody famous. He made sure he had his pocket knife and left. His driver's license was suspended, forcing the grandparents to restrict the use of their car. The small town, however, was convenient to walk through. In minutes, Brandy's festive neon sign and Christmas lights came into view. The evening was underway with couples holding hands and friends meeting. This harmony angered Sean. He was an outcast. As he approached the establishment, a sensitive issue presented itself. Dolores Hedman was headed to the restaurant with her boyfriend, Stan English. Dolores was Sean's high school crush, and Stan was that popular guy he always envied. This made Sean jealous, 
and motivated him to confront the couple. Sean entered the dining area as the couple sat down. He glared at Stan and challenged him to a fight. What a wuss, exclaimed the overweight intruder. I'm going to kick some ass. Stan was in control and replied with class. Sean, we're having a great evening, and we don't need your trouble here, he replied. The mature diplomacy further agitated Sean. Are you afraid of me? He challenged. No, only embarrassed for you, replied Stan. You are always alone and create problems wherever you go. You're still a child. Sean instinctively threw a punch that hit Stan in the shoulder. Stan stood up and countered with a right to Sean's jaw, dropping him. The couple left the restaurant and went to the diner across the street. The sheriff arrived and took statements. Many witnessed the event and gave reports. Sean was handcuffed and sent to jail. It was almost 9 o'clock at night when Sean's grandparents arrived at the police station. Bail was posted and the three left. The ride was quiet. When they arrived home, they tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. He went to his room, slammed the door shut. This was a typical Friday night for Sean. He looked for trouble and found it. His grandparents were hurt. They didn't know what they could do for him. He spent that night awake. In his mind, he was the victim. He felt he was treated unfairly in the community and needed to show everyone that he was somebody. Sean was frustrated from the embarrassment he received in town. He was also cursed with being stubborn and vindictive. He would return to the scene of the crime to win a battle, or so he thought. Saturday morning arrived with Sean being distant from his grandparents. He would avoid the worn-out lectures he had heard many times before. He was patiently waiting for the evening and his chance to redeem himself. When nightfall arrived, Sean left for town. The autumn chill had Sean button up his wool coat. The determined soul began to breathe heavily in anticipation as his breath vaporized before him. He was on a mission. Main Street was now a few steps away with brandies down the street. The house was full. It was Saturday night. Sean approached the bar and grill as joyous memories were being created. A public bonfire gave warmth to the many patrons still waiting for seating. Smiles with laughter filled the night air. The serenity of the congregation was in contrast to Sean's life. He was jealous and wanted to destroy it. The perfect opportunity was spotted. Billy Fields could be seen through the dining room window. Billy was gigantic in stature. His mountain man appearance was always clothed with coveralls with a large flannel shirt. His wavy dark hair extended his manly beard. This heavyweight always won events at the country logging shows. The biggest quality of this giant was his heart. He was a God-fearing gentleman that always had a smile for everyone. He would never hurt a fly and always tipped his hat to a lady. Sean selected this specimen to challenge in public. Sean barged into the restaurant in a rage. 
The room, silenced, having seen Sean Baker's entrance, as usual, he arrived alone and came to cause trouble. He naturally confronted Billy and challenged him to a fight. I'm going to kick some ass, Sean cried out. Stand up and fight. Something different happened. The entire room groaned in disappointment over Sean's childish behavior. At once, everyone in the dining room got up to leave. Rejection was Sean's worst fear. In defiance, he stood up in front of the entryway to prevent anybody from using the front door. The crowd refused to be around him and opened windows to crawl out. Others walked through the kitchen and found the back door. Sean was dumbfounded. The famous Brandy's Bar and Grill was being abandoned by every means. Everyone left the premises to get away from him. They all went in different directions and called it a night. Immediately, he reversed his diplomacy by trying to apologize. The embarrassed tough guy went out in the street trying to shake hands with the protesters. It was too little, too late. He was ignored. In moments, the lights to Brandy's bar were turned off with the doors locked. The streets were now quiet with only one figure present. That lone person would have a long walk home to his grandparents' home. He began to shuffle his feet while staring at the ground, thinking. Sean mentally reviewed the evening. The rejection neutered him like a dog. He dug deeper into his past and remembered that at one time he did have a few friends. The evening was still early. He could look up phone numbers and make contact. He arrived at his grandparents' homestead. The quaint cottage sat proudly on a hill overlooking the outskirts of town. Dirt roads and train tracks were the only neighbors. He walked the path leading to the wooden structure and entered the home. His grandparents were in the living room watching television. It was noticeable that their grandson was preoccupied with a problem. They remained quiet as he went to his room. Sean was now in his bedroom and closed the door. He got his high school yearbook and began thumbing through the pages. A familiar face was eventually found. He spotted Greg Hutch. Greg was a sidekick that introduced cigarettes into Sean's life. The like-minded duo shared a bond by being hooligans. Sean looked up at Greg's phone number on the back of the annual and called. The phone rang for a few seconds, then it was answered by a woman. Hello called a soft aging voice. Uh, hello, my name is Sean Baker, replied Sean. Is Greg there? There was a long pause as Mrs. Hutch recovered from the shock of Sean's contact. Greg is gone, she answered. My son joined the Navy and is stationed in Pensacola, Florida. We won't see him till Christmas. The mother hung up the phone. Sean was set back. His old counterpart cleaned up his life. Greg found a direction and pursued a future. The iron was still hot as Sean continued his alumni search. Brent Jackson's profile was discovered next. Brent was all state in three sports. His athletic ability enhanced Sean's image, or so he thought. Brent was Sean's role model friend. He served 
as a connection to the popular students in the school. Sean had always behaved in Brent's presence. He had to. The back of the yearbook would have his phone number. Sean called the Jackson residence. Mr. Jackson answered the phone. Good evening. The Jackson residence. Sean was getting nervous and responded. Uh, hi, this is uh, Sean Baker. Is Brett there? Uh, hello, Sean, greeted Mr. Jackson. Our son doesn't live here anymore. He married Sue Colton. Now they're living in Marysville. This news depressed Sean. Brent advanced in life, leaving Sean behind. Okay, Mr. Johnson, said Sean. It's been very nice talking to you. It's nice to hear from you, too, said Mr. Jackson. We wish you the best. The call was ended with Mr. Jackson hanging up. In a frantic pace, Sean raced through the remainder of the yearbook. He was desperate to salvage any friendships. He reached the last page and found a long shot, Chuck Williams. Chuck was a farm boy. He worked long hours in the fields helping the family business. Sometimes work had him miss school, which forced him to take summer classes. His isolated lifestyle and quiet demeanor had Sean befriend him when he was around. Chuck never got into trouble. Sean found Chuck's phone number and called. The phone started to ring. Then an automated recording played. It was from the telephone company and stated how the number had been disconnected. Sean remembered that Chuck wanted to go to college. He probably did with his family moving on. Like the mighty dragon Puff, Sean became obsolete and left behind. Painted wings and giant springs make way to other toys. Sean hit bottom. It seemed that everyone he knew grew up and went away. He was getting old with no development, depressed and alone. He looked out the window to see his only friends, the constellations. They were all there waiting for him. If he studied them long enough, they would introduce more friends for Sean to assemble. He looked at his favorite, Fairy. There was something different that night. Fairy's right arm was extended by glistening stars. It seemed to point at the river below. Sean looked down and saw Fairy's reflection dance on top of the dark waves. In a split second, a tiny golden light appeared from a distant mountain range. A faint whistle could be heard. It was the train of salvation. The shiny water illuminated the locomotive. It was pulling a few empty flats. This was Sean's calling. He had to act fast. He looked under his bed and pulled out a Cub Scout backpack that had provisions in it. He put on his jacket and ran into the living room. His grandparents were in their room asleep. He hastily searched drawers and found a pen and paper. He wrote a brief message. Grandma and Grandpa, I have to go now. I have a job far away. But I'll be back one day. I love both of you. Sean. He placed the note on the dining room table and left the house with his traveling gear. He ran down a dark path that would reach the railroad tracks. He had the aid of downhill running as the train's presence could be heard. Branches would brush his face as an occasional rock would come out from under his footing. The mighty engine and the hissing of pressurized lines grew louder as he sprinted towards his future. Finally, 
he reached a clearing where the train was coasting for transients. The metal chariot was larger than life. It was gradually picking up speed as an empty flat car approached. He threw his backpack on the wooden deck and tried to climb the metal ladder that was welded to the frame. As he grabbed the iron rungs, an opened hand came out of the darkness. He clasped it and climbed to the accelerating flat car. He made it! His backpack was handed to him by a graying old man. The elder smiled and said, You must be tuckered out. He then introduced himself, saying, My name's Harvey. Sean caught his breath as he shook hands, introducing himself. My name is Sean. Harvey stared at Sean and said, There is lots of work at the end of this line to load these flat cars. They could use a strong young man like you. They even want to hire good help full time and provide room and board. Sean gazed at Harvey and said, Well, good. That's why I'm here. The two sat down with the bulkhead serving as a backrest. The train blew its whistle as it headed for the mountains. He rested his head against the bulkhead and looked up into the heavens. He wanted to thank his friends for direction. The top of the reinforced barrier served as a paint roller for the galaxy. One by one, his friends crossed above him, showing that they would always be there. Fairy, Spaceman, Twinkle, and the cast of many others seemed to guide the train. Like his great-grandfather, Sean was going to the new world. What was more important, he was needed and already made his first friend. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.